I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Is Deontay Wilder really the best heavyweight in the world? And an even better question is, can he be the best heavyweight of his era? It looked to, to be in doubt this past Saturday when he faced Luis Ortiz in the rematch from their very good fight from the previous year. And for a while, you know, watching it, I'm thinking, what's he waiting for? Wilder, it's hard to describe, but it seemed like he was being uh, tamed by Ortiz. Very much the way that I felt Tyson Fury had tamed Deontay Wilder in their fight. But I was watching him, and I'm just thinking, why why is Deontay fighting the way he is? He's, He's really letting Ortiz dictate the pace of the fight. He's letting him take control I, I do I do not understand this I'm looking at it and I'm thinking what what what's holding him back is he cautious about Ortiz's counterpunching abilities because you have to remember in their first fight Ortiz at one point it looked like he was ready to get Wilder out of there but then Wilder comes back such as he always does and he just knocked Ortiz out but this time around it was hard to explain. It was almost like, what's he waiting for? Is he doing something like George Foreman did against Michael Moore, where he's just waiting for uh, Ortiz to get confident that he's just going to stand in front of him, and then as soon as that happens, land a right hand and drop him? Well, <laughs> in a sense, that, at least to me, that does seem what happened. Left that connects by Ortiz. He might have Wilder hurt. A left to the body by Ortiz. Ortiz picking up the pace. Ortiz trying to cut off the ring. Overhand left. Now Wilder needs to get back in the center as King Kong trudges forward. A right hand. Down goes Ortiz. Oh my goodness. This one is over. There is a reason why he is the baddest man on the planet. Now, you can go back and you can watch the knockout on YouTube, but I think you should do what I do, and that is pause the uh, replay, or rather slow the replay down to the slowest speed possible, and just watch what Wilder does. He throws out these these really just kind of pitter-patter jabs very fast but you can tell he's he's just looking for the opening and then he la- he lands three and then he lands another one like kind of as a range finder and then bam that's when he gets the left or sorry he gets the right hand through connects straight on the top of ortiz's head on the forehead and that just drops ortiz for the count like deontay welder or not you have to admit he is very very i I, that statement that he said about everybody who fights me has to be perfect for 36 minutes me i just have to be perfect for two seconds that is so true that's all he needs and you know personally i think that wilder is the best heavyweight in the division right now yeah i do think that tyson fury beat him but after looking at how uh Deontay Wilder's come back after that fight, and he just he's looked fantastic compared to Tyson Fury, who was 
you know, bloodied in his last fight, it's kind of obvious. I mean, look, I think, or, or not Ortiz, I'm getting the names confused. I think Wilder has clearly had the better year in 2018 and has showed his dominance. Now, if there was a rematch, and there is going to be a rematch between him and Tyson Fury, who would I pick? Right now, I would have to go with Deontay Wilder. I, I, I think that he's gotten better since their fight at the end of 2018. I mean, the knockout of Brazil and now this knockout of Ortiz, it's clear that he's getting better. Whereas Tyson Fury, I have to wonder if his focus is kind of waning a bit. I know that he's been doing some stuff in WWE trying to help get their ratings up again and they need all the help they can get but I I'm just kind of wondering is he is a uh, Fury is Tyson Fury as hungry as Deontay Wilder is and once again I for some reason as soon as I thought about this my mind went back to something that Andre Ward said at the start of the Super 6 tournament about Jermaine Taylor and he said as soon as Jermaine won the title from Bernard Hopkins, he stopped improving. He stopped trying to get better. He just was kind of content to stay at the skill level he was, and that was good enough for him. And that was what uh, what kind of ruined Jermaine Taylor, unfortunately, among other things. But that that's just how I see a fight going right now between Fury and Wilder. This rematch, apparently there's going to be some big announcement. There, I've, I've heard rumors that they might appear at the Super Bowl... I mean, I don't care about that. Chances are I'm going to be working that night anyway. But regardless, I think that's going to be a great match. I can't wait to see that fight. Now, one discussion that I want to get into, or at least lend my two cents to, is the power of Deontay Wilder. Because I've seen some people say, and I think one of them was Dan Raphael of ESPN, say that Tyson... Or See, once again, I'm getting the names confused, but you can understand why, though. They're saying that Deontay Wilder is a harder puncher than Mike Tyson. Those were the two Tysons I'm getting mixed up. But is Deontay Wilder a harder puncher than Mike Tyson? Possibly. I mean, both have very, very different styles. Tyson would want to get inside on you. He would just use those short attacks to the body, rip you apart. Wilder likes to use his range and then, bam, takes you out. I don't know how hard either of them hit. I am not going to ask either of those two guys to hit me in the face and then I'm going to compare who hit me harder. I'm not that stupid. I really don't think we're going to know how good he is until, in all honesty, he's done fighting. Because what if after this, let's just say that Deontay Wilder has another five fights in his career and then he says, that's it, I'm walking away, goodbye. What if all those fights went the distance? Would we still be calling him, or would people still call him the hardest hitter in heavyweight history? Because you have to think, there have been so many hard hitters throughout the division's history. George Foreman. I mean, look at Foreman when he was training in Zaire. Look at Dick Sadler holding that heavy bag, and Foreman has literally punched a hole into it. There's this dent. Okay? Think about fighters like... Joe Frazier, Sonny Liston, Joe Lewis. I mean, we're not really going to know until we have all the data available to compare it against, and then maybe. Maybe there's a chance he is, but, I mean, let, let, let's walk before we run, shall we? That's just 
my two cents on that, okay? Moving on. Okay, this Saturday, we've got the huge, huge rematch between Andy Ruiz Jr. and Anthony Joshua for the WBA, IBF, WBO, and IBO heavyweight titles. Holy crap. Has it already been six months since Anthony Joshua probably suffered the biggest heavyweight upset since Tyson versus Douglas? Oh, what what a what a great night for boxing that was! I I cannot believe all the people talking about Andy Ruiz. He kind of became a a big star overnight. I saw him on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he just surprised everybody. It was a great night. The big question now is, can he do it again? There have been so many questions about Anthony Joshua, his mental state, his uh, everything. I heard things about him having a panic attack in the locker room during the fight, but I've also heard that being denied. You don't know what to believe anymore. That's the sad truth of it. You're only going to believe what you want to believe unless there's irrefutable evidence. And even then, some people will refuse to believe it. But uh, regardless, so the first fight happened in Madison Square Garden, New York. And afterwards, Eddie Hearn said that uh, Joshua had a rematch clause which would be exercised in the United Kingdom in uh, November, December of this year. So naturally, the fight is taking place in December, and it's taking place in Saudi Arabia, which is, I don't know, was that ever a British territory? I'm not going to get into the history of the British Empire at this point, but yeah, Saudi Arabia. I'm sure that we could have a very interesting discussion about their human rights violations. I mean... Yeah, no, we're not going to do that on this podcast, though. Uh, How do I see this fight going? Hmm. Well, there's a lot to prove for both guys. Okay? As soon as the fight was over, I heard so many different opinions. People were saying that Joshua had proved that he was the Frank Bruno of his generation. And I kind of thought, oh, well... It's a bit mean to Frank Bruno, isn't it? I also heard some people say that Ruiz, believe it or not, he's just another Buster Douglas or Hasim Rotman. That as soon as the next fight comes along after this huge, impressive victory, that forget it, no, he's going to lose. Rotman lost it because, well, Lewis was just a better fighter. Douglas lost because he had so many distractions going on in his life and he had let himself get out of shape. I don't see that happening with Andy Ruiz. You have to remember, with Buster Douglas, he, as soon as the fight was over, he had Don King protesting that, you know, Tyson was the real winner. And that, you know, they weren't actually going to let Douglas stay the champion, that they would have to fight again. There was all this ridiculousness until, finally, all the sanctioning bodies said, you know what, forget it. This guy won. To hell with the uh, knockdown in round eight that uh, apparently Douglas got counted out of. Guess what? He didn't. Referee referee was counting. Douglas got up before the count of ten. Slow count or not, referees, the ultimate authority in the ring. Andy Ruiz doesn't have those sorts of distractions, okay? If anything, he's got people on his side. He's got people around him. They are supporting him. They want to see him do this again. Anthony Joshua, he's got people who are whispering about him. You know, I'm I'm sure wherever he goes, people are saying, oh, don't worry, you'll be back, you'll be better than ever. All the greats lose eventually. Lennox Lewis lost and he came back better. So can you. I, 
see at the same time while people are telling him this i'm sure as soon as he's gone they're kind of whispering i can't believe he lost to that fat bastard andy ruiz that 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 was embarrassing he like he looked like he wanted to get out of there and now i'm seeing stuff about how uh joshua is upset that Lennox Lewis has never reached out to him to give him advice, and Lennox has said, well, wait a minute, the master doesn't go to the student, the student goes to the master, okay? Something to that effect. And I can understand uh, Lewis's philosophy. I mean, it's not his job to uh, go out to Joshua and say, this is what you need to do to be better. I mean, I don't recall anybody doing that with Lennox Lewis. I really don't. And Lewis faced a lot of criticism in his career, even, even after he beat Holyfield. I remember in the lead-up to the Tyson fight, they ta- they spoke with Evander Holyfield, and he said that he didn't think that Holyfield would win, or, sorry, not Holyfield. Holyfield said that he did not think Lewis would win th- his fight against Tyson because Lewis apparently did not have enough heart. And I'm thinking, but he beat you twice. Sure, he got a draw in the first fight, but he beat you twice, Evander, like it or not. So how can you say he doesn't have enough heart? I I think that uh, it's just going to be a bit too much for Anthony Joshua. And plus, Andy Ruiz, he might know what mistakes he made in the first fight. He is apparently going to be coming in a bit smaller in terms of weight, trim some of that fat, whether it's baby fat or permanent fat. Either way, he's just getting rid of it. He wants to be in the best shape of his life. He wants to show that he's the best heavyweight in the world. If it's not Deontay Wilder, that it's going to be him. And if it's not him, it might be Anthony Joshua, should Joshua win. But um, right now, it's hard to give a prediction on how he's going to win, but I'm just picking Andy Ruiz to win. Let's say a knockout in round 10. I think that Joshua will try to be a bit more durable, but in the end, Ruiz is just going to, you know, break him down again. And the big question is, what happens after that? You'll have, you know, Ruiz is still the champion, but then you've got Fury, who's the lineal champion, and Deontay Wilder, who is the WBC heavyweight champion. I mean, damn it! Can't we just have one champion in this division? Is that too much to ask for? And hopefully we'll get that. We'll we'll probably, unfortunately, get it sometime late 2020. And hopefully Andy Ruiz doesn't lose the titles before a fight of that magnitude happens. People really want to have an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And I think that after this after this uh, next Saturday night, we're going to be hopefully one step closer. But keep in mind, I thought that that was going to happen in, in 2015. But uh, we'll see. Anyway, uh, enough talking about you know the heavyweight championship. Let's talk about some anime and manga. Ippo is a shy high school student constantly being bullied until a stranger steps in. You all right there, kid? Where am I? A boxing gym, of course. A boxing gym? Think of this as that scum sucker and punch it to pieces. Do I do something like... And discovers his special talent. That's it. That's a spirit. 
His name's Ipo Makanaochi. He starts training here today. Now, against all common sense, against all rationale, against all odds. He definitely has potential to become one of the most successful boxers to emerge from this gym. He will overcome the impossible and become a champion. It was in the year 2005 when I first discovered the series Hajami no Ippo after someone recommended it to me after hearing me lament about the news that Sylvester Stallone was going ahead with making Rocky Balboa. I wasn't interested in watching a geriatric get pummeled in the ring and was searching for some new boxing material when someone in a chat room suggested this anime and manga series to me. Now, if you've never heard of Hajami no Ippo, there's a very good reason for that. It's rarely been licensed outside of Japan. That's right, for all the series like Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, One Piece, and Death Note that have leaped from the pages of Shonen Jump magazine and found an audience in North America, Hajami no Ippo has had limited success in that regard, despite being around for 30 years as of this recording. You could describe the international audience as a cult audience at best. And the reason I'm discussing this anime slash manga series on this episode is the hope that maybe I can enlarge that audience in any small way possible. As you've heard in the trailer, our hero, Ippo Makanaochi, is a bullied high school student who one day gets rescued by rising middleweight contender Takamura. It's Takamura who introduces Ippo to boxing and then discovers his amazing punching power. He lends Ippo some tapes of Mike Tyson to inspire him to fight back the next time, telling him that Tyson was bullied as a kid as well. So, Ippo watches the Tyson videos. Remember, this was 1989, and Tyson was still undefeated. His next fight was going to be in Tokyo against Buster Douglas. And the next time Ippo sees Takamura, he says that not only does he want to learn to box but he also wants to become a professional boxer. Now, what I really enjoy about this series is that sometimes it'll throw you a curveball you really didn't quite expect, and this is one of them, because when Takamura hears this, Ippo's dreams of becoming a pro boxer, he gets really mad at him because he thinks that Ippo's treating it like a game, that becoming a pro boxer is so easy that someone constantly pushed around and bullied like him can do it. But Ippo's so set on this, on becoming a different person, that he asks Takamura the most important question of the series, what does it mean to be strong? From there begins an unbelievable story that stretches across well over 120 episodes of anime and hundreds and hundreds of manga chapters. As you probably guessed, Ippo does become a pro boxer, but like everything, this journey begins with one step after another. In fact, Hajami no Ippo literally translates into the first step. Ippo's name also means one step. It's not a title that exactly screams boxing, but for some reason it works. When I discovered this series, I could not believe how quickly I was going through these chapters. I was rooting for this nerdy underdog in Ippo, I wanted to know if he could beat Takamura's challenge to see if he was worthy to become a pro boxer. Then I wanted to see what happened when he joined the gym. I wanted to see what happens when he had his first sparring session against Miata, who would eventually become his main rival throughout the series. You want to see him develop his skills, take the test to become a pro, and then finally make his pro debut in the featherweight division. 
This is an incredibly addictive series to get into. And what makes it really great are the fight scenes, particularly if you're watching the anime because there is a lot of tension in these fights. Victory is not always a guarantee in this series. In fact, I'll put one spoiler out there right now for you. Ippo does not remain an undefeated fighter. He's going to lose at some point, but I'm not going to tell you when. What's also great about these fights is that a lot of times Ippo's not going to be facing some nameless tomato can. From his pro debut to his most recent fight, you see that there's a lot at stake for his opponents as there is him. You see why they fight, what they're fighting for, and it makes the drama of before, during, and after the fights so great to watch. It's what elevates it from being a generic and mediocre story about boxing to a fantastic story about boxers. Now, I'm sure there might be some of you listening who are saying, well, this sounds interesting, but I'm not sure I can get into anime or manga. I mean, why do they have all those pointed noses? And what's with the eyes? Why do their eyes look twice the size of their mouth? Honestly, you have to look beyond that. Manga and anime offer so much more to new audiences that a lot of Western comics could learn a thing or 20 from them. For example, as you know, I love boxing, but recently I decided to take a gander at an anime series on Netflix called Haikyuu. I figured I would give it two episodes to interest me, and I'm currently on episode 15. This anime series is about volleyball. Now, aside from the odd women's beach game I'll catch on TSN, I care very little about volleyball. And by very little, I mean not at all. I have a cousin who likes a series that's about a swim team. Now, you'd think a series like that would just be about fan service and whatnot, but there's actually a story there about swimming, friendship, and a weirdo with a water fetish. I guarantee you, though, whether you read the first chapter of the manga or watch the first two episodes of the anime, by the end, you're going to be wanting more of Hajami no Ippo. Now, if you're going to watch the anime, there are a few things you should know. Number one, the first series is kind of old. It was released in 2000, but surprisingly, the animation holds up very well. You feel the impact of every punch that lands, and at times, it gives a greater sense of atmosphere than the manga does. When Ippo enters the professional ring for the first time, there is this great sense that he is about to step into another world. And it's something that's just not achievable with the uh, limitations of manga. The second thing that you need to know is that there is an English dub, as you heard in the trailer. Uh, when it, it had a brief release in the United States for, his, for the uh, first season, and it was called Fighting Spirit. Um... Now, if you're somebody who doesn't like reading subtitles while watching a series, you might want to check out the dub. The thing is, the dub version, I've watched it, and it's not bad, but I don't think it does the series justice. It's not terrible, but it's nowhere near the levels of something like Cowboy Bebop or Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. It's nothing like that. I think Ippo's American voice actor was perfectly cast, but for a lot of other characters like Miata or Takamura, I think they could have done better. I mean, they make Takamura sound like Peter Griffin at times. 
Jeez, what a bitch. Also, there are jokes that are originally in Japanese that don't translate well into English, so something's a bit lost there. Also, that dub only went for the first season, which ran from 2000 to 2002. If there's a series out there that could use another chance at an English dub, it's Hajami no Ippo. In 2009, a brand new season started called Hajami no Ippo New Challenger. The animation improved drastically for this season. The fights seemed even more intense. The expressions on some of the characters were more cartoonish when they needed to be for the comedic moments, of course. And they, they all just look fantastic. In fact, uh, Watch Mojo, if you've seen some of their videos, they made a list of the best sports anime back in 2016. Hajime no Ippo ranked in at number three. More recently, IGN put out a list of the best anime series ever. Hajime no Ippo ranked in at number five, beating out more well-known series like Dragon Ball, Naruto, Neon Genesis Evangelion, so on and so forth. So, it's nice to see that even though it doesn't have the name recognition as other series do, it's not as buried a treasure as it used to be. Now, if you're going to be reading the manga, there are a few things you should know as well. Number one, the art is a bit rough at first. By no means is it bad, but I was a bit shocked when I reread the first chapter recently and noticed how small and round all the characters seemed in these early chapters. Ippo looks so short that it's like watching an Oompa Loompa fight. But you get used to the art, and like all artists, George Morikawa improves over the 30 years he's been making this series. By the way, some of you may have previously seen Morikawa's work. He did the cover for Ring Magazine recently, where he drew Naoya Inoue, in the style of Hajami no Ippo. It was actually a very eye-catching cover of Ring Magazine, which was why it's one of the few times in recent years where I've actually been inclined to pick it up. Number two, the translation can be a bit rough. When we're first introduced to Ippo's coach, Coach Kamagawa, we see that he's busy watching a world title fight between two fighters named Renard and Hans. It wouldn't be until I started following boxing more closely to discover that he's actually watching the rematch between Leonard and Hearns. So, there's going to be some English in there from time to time. My name is The Craw. The Craw? <laughs> oh, not The Craw. The Craw. Oh, yes, The Craw. Number three. There is a massive amount of story to cover. Sure, the anime may get you through the story faster, but there's still a lot left over afterwards to go through. The third season of the anime, which was called Hajami no Ippo Rising, covered chapters 399 to 558 of the manga. As of this recording, there are 1,282 chapters of Hajami no Ippo in manga form. So if you plan on reading this series, and I really do encourage that, you better make sure you have some free time available. Number four, the humor in this series. And this applies to the anime as well. I'm not talking about jokes that are said in Japanese and aren't translated properly. I just mean some of the raunchiness in this series 90 to 95 percent of this cast is men okay so 
there's a lot of physical humor and it goes without saying the character of takamura is probably the embodiment of the phrase toxic masculinity he is such a macho man that he makes the south park character of heather swanson if you don't know who that is go back and watch some recent south park you'll see who she is but he makes Heather Swanson look like a schoolgirl. That is how much of a macho man Takamura is. And some of this humor, like I said, very raunchy, very physical as well. So just prepare for a lot of locker room-esque humor. And if that's too much for you, well then toughen up, buttercup. That's all I gotta say. You can find the dub or the original Japanese version of Hajami no Ippo online. You can find it on YouTube quite easily. Both the American dub and the original Japanese versions are there. And that goes for all the series, I think. I'm currently making my way through New Challenger again because I haven't watched that probably since it ended almost 10 years ago. And... You can read Hajami no Ippo online for free. Just Google read Hajami no Ippo online. And like I said, give the, either, if, whether you go with the manga or the anime, you either have to give the anime at least two episodes to try to hook you in, if you aren't already hooked by the first episode. And for the manga, just make it through the first chapter and you'll be wanting more. I guarantee it. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Eris Lundy Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Millerad Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. My name is The Craw. The Craw? <laughs> oh, not The Craw. The Craw!